but there's no promise even when you are perfect yeah that you will maintain good relationships with broken people True believers, and welcome to Simply Devotion, the podcast that is all about seeking Jesus on deeper theological levels because he is worthy of all of our devotion. to Simply Devotion, the podcast that is all about Jesus and why Jesus is worthy of all our devotion. This week, I'm very excited. We're continuing our series, our season on the historical Jesus. We're getting close to the end. We're beginning to look at the last few episodes, last ideas that we haven't yet covered about what it would have been like for Jesus in his time, in his culture, and in his place. And in my conversations with John, so you know, one of the places we have not addressed is the relationships of Jesus, particularly his friendships. Jesus was friend of sinners. But what was his friendships in that two-way capacity that we define friendships as giving and receiving? What was Jesus' intimate personal friendships like? I am here today with my illustrious, ever-increasing, famous co-host, Jonathan Martin. And we're ready to talk about the friendships of Jesus. Let's get at it. So, John, we've been thinking and talking about the historical Jesus uh, for two years now because of a slight few delays in our scheduling programming, which we have covered. But it was beyond our control. Well, beyond your control, mostly um, well, mostly due to problems with my life. <laughs> I was trying to be nice, but yes, yeah, it's all your fault, Vinny. Well, it's good that you're trying to be nice because I want to talk to you about friendship. Yes, important topic. An important topic. And an important topic with the historical Jesus. I think that he probably was a swell guy to be a friend with. I mean, that's literally what we preach every every week, right? We we preach like, do you know Jesus? Is Jesus your friend? Like this is what a friend. Yeah, wh- yeah. We sing the hymn. What a friend we have in Jesus, right? So, oh, or Jesus is knocking at the door of your heart. Are you going to let him in so that you can eat and dine and and have supper with him, right? Right. I mean, 
this revelation, right? Revelation three, uh, open the door and let him come in. Yeah, you know, exactly. he stands at the door and he knocks. Yep. Right. Um, but in the context of the historical Jesus, which we've been working on for a couple of years and we're wrapping up this season, we're going to go on to another season and we've been planning that. But in the context of a historical Jesus, we just stop and put ourselves back in the historical era or period that Jesus of Nazareth, who we now know as Jesus Christ, the savior of the world, the king of all kings, he was an actual person who lived like in a fishing village. Mm -hmm. Um, There would have been big markets. There would have been um, not a lot of downtime, probably. Probably like uh, you know, more you know, on the job friendships, right? Like, yeah, you know, his right. Um, his dad was a carpenter in a historical context, making friends on the job, going out into the community, being in the marketplace, buying fish, um, building tables. Perhaps I, you've been to Israel, there's not a lot of wood, the trees aren't huge unless mm-hmm. they go up into Lebanon and take those cedars down, right? Um, right. But, <laughs> but right there in Galilee, you know, um, it, it, it would have been a working class person. What do you think friendships were like, John, for working class people in, say, Nazareth or Galilee? I mean, do you want to stick to specifically friendship or relationships? Well, I, yeah, it was a great point. Let's hit relationships. Let's hit lifestyle relationships and then and then move into friendships. Okay. So I think, you know, right off the bat, you know, we know that Jesus's father was a carpenter and we know that Jesus probably trained under his dad as a carpenter. Um, That would have been very common in those days. You know, you apprentice under, you know, your father and you become whatever your at his own business uh that by nature requires jesus to have some sort of relationship with uh not only the people that he's selling to but um the people that he has to work with to get supplies and to get materials to build the things that he was building um and so right off the bat i see jesus as as being somebody savvy enough to make the deals that he needs to make um not only with suppliers but also with customers as well you don't run a successful business (laughs) right being able to have um you know, adequate relationships. So he he would have been a friendly person by means of just like even being in a small village and having limited customer supplies, right? Mm-hmm. You know, if he was going to be successful, especially in a place like Nazareth, uh, he needed to be the go-to guy, you know, for, for whatever people needed uh, as far as carpentry was concerned. He had to be the go-to guy. Otherwise... You know, he he would have gone hungry quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and what we know about Nazareth, again, going back to the historical side, we know about Nazareth was it was an extremely small place. Um, so small that until recently, until within our lifetime, 
uh, skeptics doubted if Nazareth was even a real place. Yeah. I, I remember when I took my trip to the Holy Land um, and we went to the little Nazareth village there. Yeah. Um, I think they mentioned that Nazareth was only a town of about 400 people. So, yes. I mean, that is really, really small when you consider um, that my school is twice that size. You know, the school that I, that I work at and teach at is literally double the size of Nazareth. Right, right. And you got Capernaum down the road. You got Tiberias, which would have been the big town, like the big city, right? Um but yeah, uh, Jesus would have had to be in a relational person. He would have been in the marketplace. He would have needed to buy supplies. He would have needed to sell his products that he built. Uh, Mary would have had relationships even after Joseph passed away, assuming Joseph passed away, which is the prevailing theory that he passed away at some point in Jesus' uh, development. She would have had relationships with other women. There would have been other children. There would, you know, it's it's a village mentality, right? Yeah, and and so so let's move on beyond Jesus's business relationships, right? We can right. also, you know, move into Jesus's um, religious community. Right. right. There would have been one synagogue in Nazareth. If um, there had to be one, right? Because it's yeah, reverence in the scripture, right? Yeah, there. Had, yeah, you know what? There's. It would have been impractical to build two synagogues in such a small little community. Um, so it was just one synagogue, and that's literally, you know. And the Bible does tell us that Jesus, as his custom was, right, he would go to the synagogue on on Sabbath every week, and so we can see that Jesus would have had a religious. Uh, community that he was involved in. And he would have been, you know, well-known enough and well-liked enough and well-trusted enough because even shortly after he started his ministry and he went back to Nazareth and we covered this in a previous episode, you know, he was invited to read from the scroll, uh, which usually also meant that he was invited to share some sort of spiritual thought along with that. And so Jesus was literally being asked to preach. And so Jesus was obviously well-connected, well-liked in his religious community as well. Yeah. Absolutely true. I, I my, my mind was just sort of wandering there because having visited the synagogue in Capernaum, the, the remnants of the synagogue in Capernaum, where Jesus actually um, passed out uh, a demon out of some people there, um, it's just like like Capernaum would have been the big synagogue like if you've ever been in rural communities like there's a little church that maybe you and your parents go to and mm -hmm. you, you, you can't wait for the the sabbath that you get to go up to the big church of the next town right yep. so there would have probably also been intercity communication right like i get it there's no um i-95 but <laughs> <laughs> there there, there were um, donkey trails, uh, camel yeah. car caravans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, we it's, it wouldn't be hard uh, to envision Jesus's relationships, you know, going outside of Nazareth. You know, I, I can't imagine people wanting, uh, you know, to buy a brand new table you know every other week you know in a community of 400 you know of 400 people so jesus definitely needed to go beyond 
his little town of Nazareth. And, you know, that probably included uh, a little bit of, of his religious community as well. These are all important things to keep in mind when we think about Jesus's relationships, uh, pre-ministry, right? And I think, you know, I think that, that what we've been talking about really sums up Jesus's life prior to starting his ministry. Well, we've neglected thus far, it's a good opportunity to interject it, um, that he had siblings. And we, we've talked about that True. in other episodes. And those would have been significant relationships like, you know, um, maybe Jude, his brother, or James, his brother, you know, had an older friend that, I don't know, they played the equivalent of uh, a Galilee soccer with. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right? Like, there would have been some downtime, not a lot, um, but there would have been extended friends through siblings. Um and it would have been difficult, I would imagine, as the closer Jesus comes to his ministry years to maintain those relationships, mm. uh, both with his uh, siblings and their extended friends. There is the social stigma that we've talked about in other episodes as well, that Jesus would have been saw as the illegitimate child. Mm-hmm. Um, and the community would not have let go of that being uh, that ancient Semitic culture would not have permitted them to forget that. that mm-hmm. There would always be whispers and um, jokes, perhaps, mm-hmm. that damaged the local relationships that Jesus would have had, um, both with his brothers and sisters. And, and, and we know that, you know, um, later in his ministry, I'm thinking about Matthew 12, um, 48 and 50 where Jesus is like like who are my brothers mm. Mm. <laughs> you know I have no brothers but those do the will of my father right right yes. <laughs> so there's also these tensions in his relationships we don't think about like you could be the perfect person like literally <laughs> mm-hmm. you could be God himself like literally and there's no guarantee that every relationship every friendship that you want to initiate and in Jesus' environment or concept, he wants to initiate these relationships for the sake of other people's eternal life. Mm. So Jesus is going to need to contend with this as he builds friends too. You know, he's the man of sorrows, as we're told in Isaiah, right? The man of affliction, you know, uh, he's constantly rejected. He's always Mm. misunderstood. You know, we all feel that way when we're trying to build relationships and friendships. But uh, Jesus literally was misunderstood by everyone. Yeah. And and that's and that's a great point. And I like how you brought up, you know, the fact that, you know, Jesus would have been considered illegitimate and everybody would have known. And there's no way anybody would have let him forget that, you know, especially as a teacher who deals with middle schoolers. There is no way uh, Jesus as a young child would have gone all the way through childhood without somebody throwing that back at him and you know saying that he was illegitimate or basically bringing up the fact that nobody knows you know who his his dad is you know so it it's definitely a good point that you bring up when we think about uh jesus and being a child is his relationships weren't always ideal right yeah yeah and 
looking at it from a great controversy perspective, right? This battle between good and evil. Imagine being the Messiah of the world and having to literally defeat Satan head on. What would Satan have done if Jesus had a spouse or if Jesus had children? You know, if there's one thing that we can learn from superheroes. I was going to say that. And and comic books is that villains always go after the people the hero loves. It's the plot of every great Spider-Man comic. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, the villain's always going after because because the villain can do what he wants to the hero, right? But the moment the villain goes after the people the hero loves, that's where things get really tricky, right? For the hero itself. And I kind of see that in, in the ministry of Jesus as well. As you mentioned, because of his mission, because of the purpose he had uh, for being on this planet, I, I just don't see him. I see him for the sake of fulfilling his purpose and his mission in the most efficient and effective way possible. I see him denying himself. Uh, those those romantic relationships. Yeah, I'm I'm glad I pushed you on that. I think that's I think that's a really like sort of in depth sort of thing to think about. That many of our listeners probably feel uncomfortable to ask a pastor or a theologian about. Um, and a setting like this provides the space. Yeah. Um, to to think intellectually uh, about that and what it may be. I mean, you know, it's not unlike other kinds of relationships um, that Jesus chose not to have. You know, like he he yes, he was a business person, but he with his skills and his knowledge and being all knowing, he could have been like, <laughs> you know, he could have been like the he could have cornered the market in all of Judea and all of the world in carpentry, right? Like the point really is that Jesus withholds or withstands or limits himself Mm -hmm. because of why he's not, Jesus is not there just for his own pleasure, just for his own needs and Mm -hmm. just for his own uh, fulfillment, which is what makes Jesus such a fascinating person mm. for me you know other than you know that he's god and that he saves me but but that he has all this unlimited power that he could have done anything with you think about the three temptations again like mm-hmm. all those temptations were there because he could have thrown himself down he could mm. have turned bread into or stones into bread he could have done all those things but in jesus we see someone who constantly limits their abilities and even their relationships. But I'm going to change gears. John, uh, just sort of off the top here, I have my own list here and I already wrote it up so that I would be ready in case you weren't, you know. Uh, <laughs> I'm always ready, Vinny. Oh, good, good, good. Give me Jesus' top five friends by name in order. 
by name and order. You're always ready, John. Um, well, I think of, of Jesus's closest friends, right? Peter, James, and John. Um, You're already in the wrong order. I just let's just put it out there. Well, I, I mean, you didn't let me finish, Vince. We we know that Jesus's closest friends, right, were Peter, James, and John. Now, so those have to be the top three. We just gotta put them in order, right? And and so I would say number one would be John. Um, you know, he is the one that the Bible tells us is, is the disciple whom Jesus loved. He's often referred to as that. And I think I think that is uh, the Bible's way of telling us that John was pretty much the closest person to to Jesus. Right. Um, so I would I would put I would put John as as and also not only that, but when Jesus was dying on the cross, um, he entrusted care of his mother, Mary, to John. Um, and he didn't do that with, with any of the other disciples. So we, we see there that, that Jesus had a very, very, very close relationship with John to the point where I think we could say they were best friends. Um, you know, they were, they were the best friends there. Then we, we move beyond that to, uh, you know, Peter and James, I don't know. I guess I haven't thought that much about, about who would be more, you know, closer to Jesus. If it was Peter or, or if it was James, if I had to start somewhere and reason it out here on the spot, I, I would probably say Peter, Peter would be next after, after John, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to have to agree with you. With, well, I, I think your whole order is wrong, but 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 I'll correct you in a little while. Uh, but but if it's between Peter and 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 James, I'm gonna go with Peter just simply because God lets James die first. I, okay, Inter- interesting, um, interesting criteria. Uh, yeah, God. yeah, and, and I guess following that same criteria, John didn't die. Right. He, you know, he died of all age. He wasn't martyred. So. Right. In the order of death goes James, John, and Peter. So you've got them in the right order if we're going. That's the criteria. I mean, okay. So, so you disagree that Peter, James, and John are not are are Jesus's closest friends. Is that what you're saying? You're you, you're disagreeing. Yeah, your orders. Yeah, you, your your whole selection of like you won't even start. You wouldn't even start with those three. Of course not. Okay. All right. So let's hear it, Vinny. Why am I wrong? Because they're his closest ministry associates. Mm, okay. They're not who where he goes to hang out when he needs downtime. Uh, I see what you're. I they're see not where you're going. Where he goes to, and who he sees when he needs comfort. All right. I see where you're going. So you're they're going not his closest you're going, counselors. You're going to Bethany. Uh, you're going to Lazarus and Mary and Martha. When when Jesus needs a good meal, it's Martha mm. who's cooking the fish, right? Um, when when uh, you know Jesus wants to feel heard, it's Mary of Bethany who is there to listen to him. Uh, in fact, I'm going to argue with you, John. I mean. Because like you picked this 
inner circle list, which I find a little humorous. It probably means you've been out of the pastoral ministry for too long. However, however, you can't you can't deny the fact that Jesus entrusted care of his mother as he was dying on the cross to John. So, I mean, that's a pretty important because like that would have been something you would have you would have done, you know, like you would have asked a brother, a next of kin to do that. And yet Jesus going beyond that and going to a ministry associate and and entrusting John with the Mm -hmm. care of his mother. So I think it goes I, I think it shows us, number one, you can be a ministry associate and you can be a close friend as well. I think that's a really nice theory you're you're, you're propagating there, um, but I, I'm just going to point something out for you. you. You don't ever see Jesus cry for John, but he cried for Lazarus. He he did. He cried for Lazarus, but at the same time, at the same time, the Bible tells us that he also cries uh, for Jerusalem. And of course, I'm sure you're not suggesting that that just because he cries for them, that automatically makes them, you know, uh, his closest friends. I mean, because he was also crying for the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Right. Which brings me to his fourth closest friend, Simon the Pharisee. Okay. Because you see him repeatedly at social gatherings and uh, dinner parties with Simon. Okay. And he's working hard to restore Simon's salvation. And, and and Simon is a friend back to Jesus. Simon is working hard to get Jesus accepted by the Pharisees so that Jesus doesn't get crucified. And they have that whole showdown with the alabaster box, right? And, right. and Jesus tries to call Simon to repentance. And we see this great remorse in Jesus that he is not able to call Simon to repentance Mm. and even remorse in Simon because friendship is two-way I would argue that that's why John is not his best friend Mm. because uh, John is you know in some ways there for the fishes and loaves I'm not like don't get me wrong (laughs) I'm not saying he doesn't love Jesus but he's looking for a messiah Simon is not Simon is looking to invest in Jesus, but unfortunately the relationship falls apart because Simon is not willing to take the leap that John did with Jesus. I don't know. I still go back to the fact that Jesus, his dying wish as he's dying on the cross, Vinny, he's dying, okay, on the cross and he entrusts his mother to John. I don't know. I still think that counts for something. It does count for something. I'm going to cement my argument uh, so that you won't be able to rebound even once you find your verse. Um, Matthew 11:19 says, The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Here is a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collector and sinners. Mm-hmm. But wisdom is proved right by her deeds. In other words, what Matthew the Levite is saying, one of the 12, which you also didn't include in his friendship list, um, what Matthew is saying is that Jesus' closest friends are sinners. I think that's a pretty significant point. Peter, James, and John are also sinners, but part of me thinks that 
Jesus' closest relationships are with those who understand their need of Jesus most. I might cite in my list after Mary, Martha, Lazarus, and Simon, I might cite whoever the woman is in John 8. It's a pretty tender redemption story where she thinks she's going to die, where they're trying to embarrass him. Uh, I've heard the theory that um, she may have been someone he had previously redeemed because they drag her out in front of him and say, this woman was caught in adultery, right? And uh, Jesus just like so gently restores her, right? Like those tender moments are deep friendships moments. Like again, Matthew don't lie. Matthew eleven nineteen, Jesus is friend of sinners. But give me whatever verse you found there, John. All right. So uh, this is John 19. All right. John 19. Jesus is crucified in verse uh, 18. All right. And then it talks a little bit more of stuff that that's happening as Jesus is crucified. And it says near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. I mean, that's, you're talking about tender moments. Like that's a, that's a tender moment right there. Um, as he's dying, literally paying the price of sin for the whole world, he thinks about his mother. He thinks about John, whom he loved. So John, I'm going to give you the fact that the text you provided says the disciple in whom Jesus loved. So I've, I've got to concede that John was Jesus' friend and a friend of high significance because he loved him. But here it comes. Who didn't Jesus love? Yes, Jesus loved everyone. But but I think the fact that the Bible brings it up. John brings it up, who's writing his own gospel. Is there a little narcissism maybe happening there? Hey man, you want you want to ascribe uh, you know mental health uh, uh, diagnoses on the disciples? That, that's up to you. But you know, like I, I don't know, I, nobody refuted it because he's the one writing it, and he's the last one alive. <laughs> all right. No, the, all joking aside. <laughs> My point would be to use John. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Right? It's kind of a futile thing when we think about the friends of Jesus. And we want to think about the friends of Jesus. But to rank them, um, to assume there could be such a rank, we we. We do know that Jesus put limitations on the depths and types of relationships he had while maintaining this global love for everyone at the same time. Like, and in that way, Jesus like has the highest 
emotional intelligence you can imagine. People, humans, sinners have affairs because they are not able to put limits or choose not to exert the energy to put limits on the types of relationships they have. Because they get drawn in from other people's needs. They get drawn in um, by their own unmet, unchecked needs. I remember uh, a time in my life when I was in therapy and I was seeing a counselor um, due to some like really high anxiety and stress when my wife was uh, really sick and looked like she was going to die. And thank God that didn't happen. But one of the questions a therapist asked me was, Vinny, do you even know what it is that satisfies your soul? Because until you know what it is that satisfies your soul, you cannot know what it means to lose or keep or hold on to relationships that you don't have control over. And at that moment, I didn't have control over the relationship, not because of a breach in the relationship, but at that moment, it was very possible to have a breach in the extension of life. What he was saying to me is as a mature human being, Vinny, you need to be able to limit the depths and boundaries of any and all relationship you're in. But that does not mean that you limit the amount of love you have for someone. Sometimes you have to back away. Sometimes you have to like, like I could argue, Mary, the mother of Jesus, is his number one friend because she's the one she's lo- that he's looking out for in that exchange with John at the cross. But again, I'm my perspective may be, and, and I kind of set you up by asking you for your top five friends in order. Right? I want to see if you would bite on that. <laughs> well, it was fu- it was a fun it was a fun social experiment with a friend. You caught you caught your fish, but I like to think that I got away. <laughs> You're the big one that got away, John. <laughs> There's a lot of truth to that. <laughs> the big heart that got away. I don't know. Look, the, the point is when we talk about Jesus, friend of sinners, hmm. the point is when we talk about Jesus who loves the world, when we talk about Jesus. The King of Kings, the Prince of Peace, mighty and wonderful counselor, right? We, we, we talk about a God, a being, a historical figure that is beyond our comprehension. In fact, we might be saying that all of our relationships, good and bad, are pale reflections of the kinds of relationships, the depths and the quality of relationships that Jesus had with people. One thing I might put, and I'd be interested to hear what you think about 
John, this definition I would put on the friendships of Jesus. I would put this definition. Jesus had friendships with other people that were the kinds of friendships other people needed from him. Mm. Not that he needed from them. And that's not to say that he didn't get value out of the friendships. He hung out with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus because, hey, Martha cooked good food. Mm -hmm. And Mary listened to every word he had to say. And Lazarus was a buddy. And Simon was trying to recruit him into the higher escalon of the church. Mm -hmm. But he wasn't there for his needs. Mm. The type of friendships Jesus has with people are type of friendships that are, are in people's best interest. Yeah. Not his best interest. Right. Which is in line with, with his mission, right? To seek the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. And I think Jesus's friendships are defined by that mission statement. Um, and it ultimately results in self-sacrifice, right? We think of Jesus's sacrifice on the cross as the sacrifice that Jesus made. And I think um, there are far more sacrifices that we could point to, um, particularly when it comes to relationships. Um, you know, Jesus is always self-sacrificing. Um, and so I like, I like your definition. I do. I, I, I think it's a good definition because at the end of the day, Jesus was in relationships with people that needed to be in a relationship with him. I think that's beautiful. I guess when we, you know, if we even back up and become more theological for half a second here, God doesn't need relationship with us and never has. Mm hmm. He is complete and whole on his own. Yeah. We need relationship with him. Mm. And he created us just out of joy, not out of necessity. Mm. In other words, he didn't limit himself, but he didn't have to extend himself. Mm. And when the breach happened, his relationships with us became about our need, not his. Mm. I even think about Adam in the garden and God coming to him in the coolness of the night. And as a father, you know, John, what it's like to have to carry that water and be the bad guy when you really just want to scoop up your kid and hug them and say, it's okay. But you know, that's not what they need. <laughs> It's what will make you feel better when they scratch their knee or whatever. But sometimes they need to be told, why were you jumping on that bed? <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, and, and so I think that Jesus is like the big papa. You know, Jesus is like the big daddy. Like in that moment when he trusted Mary to John, he loved John no more than he loved Caiaphas or Pilate. Or Judas, maybe what we're saying is at the end of the day, John, Jesus is everyone's friend, but everyone isn't Jesus's friend, mm. which is why 
He's called the man of many sorrows. So I guess my question is, can we learn something about friendship from Jesus? Is Jesus's friendship something that we can use as an example to us or not? We can't perfectly emulate Jesus in any way unless Jesus lives in us. But I would say if there's the big takeaway in the kind of friendships Jesus had developed and sought, I would say the big takeaway is it's okay to get things from your friendships and you need to get things from your friendships. He got merchants for his business. He bought fish at the market. Um, He... Um, He went to to church. He went to synagogue and had a relationship with the, with the rabbis. Right. Um, He even let Simon advocate for him, even though he he wasn't going to take the promotion. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. It's okay to get things from relationships, but don't be needy. Mm. Don't be needy in those relationships. Recharge. Jesus recharged. Jesus went to Bethany with the purpose to recharge. He liked his downtime with Mary, Martha, Lazarus, and Simon, and Peter, John, and James, too. But he didn't need them, they needed him. And that's why he showed up. God so loved the world that while we were still enemies, he sent Jesus to be our friend. That's what I think we should learn from Jesus' friendships. Right. That all of us could use a friend like Jesus. And Jesus is the friend that we all need. All of us could use it all of us need it Mm. not all of us know it Mm. and I think that's why I love what my therapist said to me that day until you know what satisfies your heart until you know what satisfies your heart you can rightly not know or you can't rightly know what relationships are essential or not You have been listening to a podcast produced by simplyvinny.com. Stop by our website, read our blog, check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and all that jazzy promotional stuff. But remember, I'm the podcaster that likes to remind you when life throws a monkey wrench at your head, Jesus is still the logo. The reason, the logic, the word that builds your life back all the way to the kingdom of God. Until next time, God will be blessing you. See you at the next podcast.